Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it is time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. A couple of royal reminders, as always, before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group at Royally Obsessed. You can also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a royal rating of five stars. Pretty please. You know, it's it's not for us. It's just so that, you know, we're boosted up in the rating. So give us that five star <laughs> rating, please. please. <laughs> Send us an email at Info at gallerypodcast.com. We love to hear from you guys. First, quick catch up. How was your weekend, Rachel? It was good. It was pretty low key. I have to tell you that I discovered Ted Lasso, this amazing show on Apple Plus. Wait, someone else just told With me to Jason go watch it. Sudeikis? Am I saying Sudeikis? I don't know. Sudeikis. Sudeikis. Yeah. About a football coach. Oh my Is gosh. Right? Matt was like, let's just try it out. We like needed a new show and we binged all four episodes. It is laugh out loud funny and we actually like rewound and re-listened to the jokes they were so good I can't Stop. recommend it enough and it's been renewed for season two my little plug but I you gotta watch it Roberta you'll love it okay well that's good to know good to know how was yours did you have a good weekend it was good we were in New York and and it was good to be back and then we got some stuff and came back so that's it was good nice. I'm still buzzing yeah. from the round table but we're back to regularly scheduled programming this week and playing a bit of catch-up too First up, details on Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's move to Montecito. We've also got some Cambridge news, namely where Kate and the kids were spotted out and about. Finally, we're thrilled to chat with Tessie Ojo, CEO of the Diana Award, about her work, Harry's powerful speech about Black Lives Matter at this year's virtual awards, and also Princess Diana's legacy. All that and more coming up. Yes, and because we have that interview, we're going to breeze through everything, but we always save time for a royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. So this week's royal refreshment. Yeah, we're going to actually pop them here. (laughs) You're right in the microphone. That sound effect. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's good. It smells so good, Roberta. So we're both drinking a drink from Five Drinks Co. It's uh, a canned beverage. Which one did you grab? So, of course, I did the G&T, the gin and tonic. I had to. Very royal. Had to. Had to. And I'm doing the watermelon vodka soda. And it's only 75 calories, which I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> it says it contains vodka, watermelon, monk fruit, lime, and basil water. So it's like kind of fancy. Yeah, this is really good, guys. And so while we're sipping, we wanted to share a, um, a nice little thread in the Royally Obsessed Facebook group. So we shared Micah's quote from last week's Finding Freedom Roundtable, which I hope you guys really enjoyed it because Rachel and I so, so loved having Micah and Ariana on the show. It was so much fun. I loved it. You know, now we're back to talk about all the news. We were like chomping at the bit to, <laughs> to talk about the new Sussex house and everything about it. But, like, um, in but yeah, due so, time, Roberta. Right, due time. right. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we have to 
to say something. It was hard to know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Micah's quote, she said, Charles and Camilla are two of the funniest people in person. When they walk into a room, there's not a moment of quiet. They're laughing, they're joking, they're drinking. They are two of my favorite royals of all time. And this thread in the Facebook group, you guys agree, Linda commented, I've been saying this for a while, that I'd love to have a drink with Cam. <laughs> I love that nickname always for her. Same. So Rachel, who would you love to have a drink with? Which of the royals? I think I would have to say Meghan Markle. I really feel like just because I feel like just reading, not to make this more finding freedom content, but I, but I really, (laughs) we've talked about it so much, but basically like I just, we we know from the TIG and we know from that book that she is the ultimate like curator and hostess with the mostest. And like, she just puts so much thought like tips and stuff. Well, not even tips, but I just am like, she'll pour a beautiful red wine and then maybe there'll be like a cheese plate that's like perfectly organized. I just feel like Megan would be my my person for that. She would talk about like where she had purchased her like sustainable small business fashion. I that's what I'd want to know. What are your latest outfit buys? Exactly. I just I think that would be my my number one choice at this moment. What about you? Yeah. I feel like this is such a like, you know, cliche answer, but I feel like I have to go with the queen. Oh my like, gosh. To be in, I mean, to be in the same room as her would just be a delight. And then to know that she like loves Jin and Dubane and just like Dubonet, which one is it? I never remember. <laughs> Wait, Roberta, I'm bowing down to your selection. This is brilliant. As I'm as I'm sipping watermelon vodka soda, I'm like, you know what would be great with this? A, a chat with the queen. <laughs> a chat with the queen. I, I support that. Well, great thread, you guys. So much yes. fun. Love it. Moving on, This Week in Royal History. And now, This Week in Royal History. So August 28th, 1996, that was the date of the divorce of the Prince and Princess of Wales. It's been 24 years, Roberta. Wow, that's wild. So after 15 years of marriage, four of which they were separated for, the royal pair officially split. Queen Elizabeth was actually the one who two months prior urged the pair to make their divorce official. So I think it had kind of been carrying on. You know, they just weren't making the final thing. Apparently it was pretty contentious too. And that was part of it that they really were not in agreement on the separation and details. And the final split. But Diana ended up walking away with a generous settlement. The New York Times reported it was $22.5 million with an annual salary of sorts of $600,000 to maintain her private office. It sounds like a lot of money, right? But she actually was asking for $75 million. So it, wow. I think it was a big concession for her at the time. But still, totally. pretty big chunk of change. Um, she also, as part of that agreement, was allowed to retain her Kensington Palace apartment, which we know Harry and William used as their working office in recent years since it helped them stay inspired about their charitable efforts and following in the footsteps of their mom. She also kept the title Princess of Wales and let go of HRH for and, and any future claims to the British throne, which was a big deal, actually. You know, of course, we know that Diana died a year later in August 1997, the anniversary of which is also this week, um, while Charles went on to marry his longtime love, Camilla, in April of 2005. I can't believe the anniversary of her death is coming up. You know, you mentioned you'd seen a lot of threads in the Facebook group about that and kind of people mourning. And it's kind of a somber royal history. Yeah, Yeah. And it's also kind of the timing is is kind of lined up perfectly with this episode where we talked to Tessie Ojo, the CEO of the Diana Award. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear that interview. Um, but I just, yeah, I can't believe that it's already been 23 years since her death. I know. I actually feel like that was a moment for me where I truly became royally obsessed. I mean, I think that it I had always been following the royals, obviously, since I was a little kid. But I felt like watching that whole um, event happen in real time was really difficult. And I think that, you know, just to feel that 
how long it's been, you know, that we've been without her is incredibly difficult. Totally. But in general, you know, I think that the queen, what was interesting about the divorce details is that the queen was actually cool, supposedly, with letting Diana keep the HRH title. But Charles was adamant that she give it up. And I thought that was really interesting because the HRH title meant that she would continue to have to curtsy to her ex and also her children, which I don't know if that ever happened. But that was a big if she if she didn't have the title. She would have to. She would have had to yeah. curtsy. Got it. Got so it's it. kind of like I, because it was so contentious. I just found that interesting. That that was a big that part is of super giving interesting. it up. Yeah. I also thought one one of the things that I just wanted to mention was that it actually the article in the New York Times pointed out it was not clear what would happen if Diana were to remarry, but experts believe she'd have to relinquish many benefits of the divorce agreement. And I wasn't sure. Did you ever watch the Naomi Watts Diana movie? So I didn't. It's on my list. It's I only it's on watched it. List. I watched it on a bus ride when it first came out. I had like a bus ride from New York to Boston and I I fit it in. And I I just remember that being a really big part of it because she was really lonely and that, you know, and she couldn't like she was really constrained by the boundaries of her life. I mean, it had to have been so weird to continue living on, you know, at Kensington Palace with like her ex nearby and kind of that whole it's like it's not like she could just let totally. go of that life. So anyway, well, and going back into the dating scene after a while too, yeah. and like how that was kind of playing out mm-hmm. right in the midst of all of the royal family just watching. So yeah, Ugh. Ugh. very very strange and sad time to look back on. But all right, moving on. So this week's royal rundown. First, we have Meghan and Harry's new home. I'm so excited to get finally to talk, talk about, about this. it. Yes. <laughs> so Rachel. Rachel Bowie. Are we shocked? Are we surprised? Are we excited that they moved out of L.A.? I was a little shocked because I feel like L.A. is the center of Hollywood. You know, they're getting they're having all these new projects come up. So I was surprised that they're moving about 100 miles north of L.A. I mean, I guess I was surprised, but I also was like Santa Barbara. It's like no question. Like if you had that as an option, like L.A., Santa Barbara, like all the areas around L.A., like I feel like I've been there. You've been there, too, right? Yeah. So I went when I was a little bit younger but it I remember being one of my favorite places of all time yeah my sister we stayed and I at went. the best western and it was like in- extremely scenic and like it was probably the best best western in the entire country I just I think I I went with my sister who lives out in California and we went for like a couple of nights we just did like a girls weekend and I forced her to spend we shelled out for like a really fancy place with like a spa but I like just had to do it because it was like a getaway yeah, it was a mini to. getaway right. but I'm also jealous like they're near the Santa Inez winery region like I mean just I mean all of California has so many great wineries but like it's really their backyard so I kind of get it but anyways yeah just I mean I've heard it described as gorgeously scenic and when I went when I was younger I remember just being one of the most beautiful places it's also a little quieter so that makes sense because they did want you know a sense of community they wanted their privacy they were tired of the drones and the paparazzi and all that what they went through at Tyler Perry's house that lawsuit that they filed. I'm so glad that they did. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been living in this $14.65 million mansion in Montecito, which is a neighborhood in Santa Barbara. And the home is actually called the Chateau of Riven Rock, which sounds kind of Game of Thrones-y to me, but I love that <laughs> I love name. that you're such a big Game of Thrones fan. I know. Um, they bought it on June 18th, though, which is quite a while ago. So I'm surprised they kept it such a secret. But I was reading that the estate quietly sold in mid-June 
um, under uh, or to a mysterious trust with a deliberately opaque name, though the trust happens Ooh. to share a mailing address with the offices of Meghan Markle's longtime Hollywood business manager. So that's kind of an insight into how they kind of pulled it off without anyone knowing. It is really impressive, actually, that they kept it under wraps. That I mean, it's end of August and we're just really getting all these details about it. So good for them. I mean, I think good that that's what they needed yeah. more than anything. Privacy. So they bought it in June 18th. They moved in the beginning of July. And I think those two weeks in between must have been super busy because it seems like from pictures we've seen in Zoom calls and virtual engagements and all of that, they really painted a lot of the house. So I was looking at like the real estate pictures and the color of the walls is different. The color of the window frames is different now. So I feel like they had like this major two week renovation of the house and they painted everything. They, you know, got their furniture, whatever. But also like how stressful to continually find a corner that doesn't give anything away, right? Totally. (laughs) Like this whole summer, they've been so busy. We've seen and heard from them so much. So to have that move going on in the background and be like, guys, hold the construction or something, whatever was happening. I'm sure exactly. it's pretty big. So they probably well, had room. I'm wondering if like they had a lot of calls in July. I'm wondering if they tried to match up like that outside stucco of Tyler Perry's mansion oh. with like some part of their house. Because I do think that they must have been living there for some of those calls and no one really pointed it out that it was a different location. Anyway, let's talk about the house. So the house is nine bedrooms, 16 bathrooms, which I'm like, why do you need two bathrooms for every bedroom? That's a lot. But I feel like that just means it's massive. The common rooms are massive. Yeah, exactly. I would love to have that, of course. (laughs) It's on seven acres. It's 18,600 square feet. They count Oprah, Ellen, and Tom Cruise as neighbors. The main house includes a library, an office, a spa with a separate dry and wet sauna, a gym, a games room, an arcade, a movie theater, which I'm like, wait, arcade and games room are different? Okay, got it. (laughs) Movie theater, wine cellar, a garage with space for five cars. There's an endless lawn space with tiered rose gardens. There's supposedly these like beautiful Italian cypress trees, a tennis court, a tea house, a children's playground, and a large outdoor pool the children's playground really got me i was like your own personal i I zoomed in i was like what (laughs) that's incredible um so the details of the mortgage so i told you that the 14.6 million dollar home they actually put down a third of that so they're mortgaging 9.5 million according to sources and that calculates to a mere forty three thousand dollars a month for a 30-year mortgage supposedly so you know there was no outside financial assistance said an insider so it's interesting with a mortgage right (laughs) i was just gonna say like it's interesting to think they're putting you know paying forty three thousand dollars every month do you think this house and you so prince charles really isn't helping at all with that or we don't know i don't think so i don't i mean according to an insider with knowledge of it they said that there was no outside financial assistance so well they have the harry walker speaker engagements you know that's all set in stone so i'm sure that those requests are rolling in i mean i can't i just feel like they're so in demand so i'm sure that they're going to be okay I also just think it's so crazy because they've made four moves in the last 16 months since their wedding. So they've they moved into Frogmore Cottage. They moved to Canada post-exit. Then they relocated to Tyler Perry's house. And now this. I bet at Tyler Perry's house, to an extent, they must have been living out of boxes a little bit. Or maybe like those were shipped over now. Yeah. I don't really know. But I, I mean, it just feels like the impact of the pandemic in particular on their on their plans, I think, has been huge. They've talked or sources close to them have shared that they really were intending to stay in Canada and be between the UK and Canada. But then when the borders were closing, they had to make a decision so quickly. So I feel like, you know, that's just California is their new their new 
roots. I, you wonder, know, their new home. I wonder too if, if the pandemic really just sped up their timeline just because in these recent, you know, um, speaking engagements like on the Megan talks about moving home to Emily Ramshaw, who's the CEO of the 19th and says how she's so happy to be home. She's like, it's so, so good to be home. And I'm wondering if they they were going to stay in Canada but because they knew the borders were closing, they'd have to just make a decision. And they decided mm-hmm. being close to Doria, having that yeah, as the Doria you know, factor. child care. Yeah. So I guess Doria is living in that guest house, which is two bedroom, two bath. And worst case, she's only a short you know, drive away too. Yeah. yeah. Well, congrats, Harry and Megan. We're super excited about your new digs. <laughs> Wait, also fun fact. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes, this is such a fun fact. Santa Barbara is the birthplace of Earth Day, if any of you didn't know. I did not know that. I didn't know that that either, and that's so appropriate for Harry and Meghan. It fits in, yeah, cleanly with their, you know, environmental, travelist, ecotourism kind of. But okay, so we're going to go really quickly through all the other Sussex stuff. So Harry and Meghan, a TV show, they supposedly have been quietly shopping an idea for a project to different media companies. According to a new report, they've been taking meetings in June with the likes of NBC Universal. You know, in the past, they've also worked or are going to work with Apple, Netflix, Disney. They've already collaborated with almost every major streaming service. So it's really interesting that they took this meeting with NBC Universal. Maybe they're trying to kind of diversify their portfolio of content. And it's not clear exactly what this show or project is going to be, but it is likely that they'll both executive produce. Megan has absolutely no plans to act in the project, according to a source. So we're not going to see her on screen, but I do think that this might be one of the money-making kind of um, ventures that they'll take on. I can't wait. I just want more. But I, I loved Elephant. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we saw Megan, I mentioned earlier, have a discussion with Emily Ramshaw, the CEO of The 19th, which is a new nonprofit newsroom focusing on gender equality. So Megan interviewed Emily, but the tables turned. So we're going to play a little clip from that. The loudest voices are often the negative ones, sadly. So I think, you know, from my standpoint, it's not new to see this undercurrent of racism and certainly unconscious bias. But I think to see the changes that are being made right now is really, it's it's something that I look forward to being a part of um, and being a part of using my voice in a way that I haven't been able to up late. So yeah, it's good to be home. This was such a delight, this whole chat. I loved Megan as the moderator in this whole for this event. I just thought she's, you know, she's so smart and articulate and passionate. And I found myself, I mean, I was texting Roberta nonstop. I was just so inspired by the conversation and the voice that we have that she brings to this, you know, and also everything that she said about clickbait really resonated with me. And, you know, how that's what the titles, the headlines are what leaves the imprint. And a lot of times people aren't reading the full story. So I feel like the danger, she just made that so clear. I really enjoyed the conversation. But my favorite part, Robert, I have to mention is that uh, when she, when the interviewer, when Emily kind of, you know, Megan, as we said, was interviewing Emily and when she flipped the script and was just actually kind of, you know, slightly mentioning the fact that she wanted to ask Megan a question. She said, you know, you've been someone deeply covered by the media. And Megan was like, no, 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 no. I'm the journalist today. Ha ha ha. We can't go off script. She just, you know, it was a live conversation. And I think, you know, Emily's question was actually totally harmless. But I think that setup really threw Megan for a loop. And I, I thought that moment was particularly endearing and to her credit you know she really was not gonna go there with any of those questions totally I I do find it funny too like Emily did an amazing job with this and I think there's so many times where she's obviously like 
why are you asking me the questions? <laughs> like clearly everyone here wants to hear from you. And so she still, you know, has such a uh, great um, organization that she's founded. And so I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I feel like Megan's going to continue working with them yeah, in some capacity. Absolutely. So it, it really the 19th exciting. is great, actually. Everyone should subscribe and listen to them. I've been getting all their emails and I'm I'm really enjoying the content. And did you love when they they bonded over go, both going to Northwestern? I thought that was really sweet. Everything it was just like, about oh, it felt so yeah. easygoing. Great job. It was. It was, it was like really a good. chat between friends. Um, next, we saw Megan and Harry volunteering for Baby to Baby. So that's one of the four organizations, the only one in the U.S. that they chose to help celebrate Archie's birth last May when they had that global baby shower. The couple handed out supplies to families and helped children pick out and try new backpacks. There was some really endearing shots of Megan and Harry with kids. You know, they wore, they both wore masks. Megan wore an oversized linen Victoria Beckham blouse, which is now on my wish list, Ooh. and a blue seersucker face mask while volunteering. And it's that's a fifth- not sold out, by the way. <laughs> yes, they restocked. They yeah. restocked. The $15 stripe mask is from Royal Jelly Harlem, a New York City-based brand founded by black mother-daughter duo Teta and Maya Gorgoni. So I really love that. Shout out to New York, New York Strong. And then finally, Megan and Harry had a video call with the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. Not finally. There's more to come after this. <laughs> um, Harry keeps talking about how old he is. And Megan is like, WTF, I'm four years older than you. Stop saying that. <laughs> this is so amazing. Yeah. We're going to play a clip. What I already feel is I'm way too old for a conversation. Stop. We're not. No, no, but it's true. I'm, I'm aging, right? I'm 35 already. And That's not it is aging compared to these guys look um it's clearly okay, so a those sensitive are, spot for harry i think yeah <laughs> so those are back-to-back clips of um two talks with the queen's commonwealth trust both from this summer the first is the most recent but i thought that was so funny to hear that um i mean harry come on like you're all get better wife. with age like a fine wine <laughs> And also your wife is older than you. Like, stop saying that. And, but I love this. So Harry followed up. His birthday the, is coming up to that point. Though. That's true. That's <laughs> so maybe true. That just always makes a little, you feel. Like, you know, you yeah. Feel a when your birthday's older. around the corner, you're just like. And when oh, you're man. a dad, I think you feel the age even more. But anyways. Yes, totally. But Harry followed it up. He said, but it's true. This is a world you're going to inherit. And Megan quickly added, and Archie. And then Harry said, and Archie, it's on all of us collectively to make the world a better place. And we are. So I love that they called him out. Um, It is. It's the dad thing. I think that he mentioned. Uh, Harry also referenced his grandmother, the queen. He said, I think everything my grandmother wanted to achieve when she took this huge responsibility on, she's managed. At the end of the call, he added, it's on all of us collectively to make the world a better place. So, you know, I think him calling her out, they've been doing so much to kind of further the causes of the monarchy. They Perry is the president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, Megan is vice president. So um, and then Megan took a call with When All Women Vote. So in partnership with When We All Vote, which is Michelle Obama initiative, she spoke about the importance of voting. uh, And we're going to play a quick clip from that as well. We're only 75 days away from Election Day. And that is so very close. And yet there's so much work to be done in that amount of time because we all know what's at stake this year. I know it. I think all of you certainly know it. And if you're here on this fun um, fun event with us, then you are just as mobilized and energized to see the change that we all need and deserve. So I'm inspired to see all of the work that you're doing in your communities as well as for your communities. And you know what's interesting? She received a lot of backlash from certain media commenta- commentators about these comments on 
voting, especially Pierce Morgan, who suggested the Sussexes should be stripped of their titles, and Dan Wooten, who's the executive editor of The Sun, calling it completely inappropriate and an embarrassment. Um, what is going on? I think with that this? that's so ridiculous. I also feel like, you know, courtesy of Omid, uh, P.S., the queen has encouraged people to vote. He shared a telegraph story from 2003 where, where the queen herself commented on low voter turnout and encouraged people to head to the polls. So this is not really a new thing. And it's not it's not partisan. It's, you know, Megan is just saying vote, which is really important everybody vote 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 right she never endorsed any candidate and while i feel like you can make inferences about which candidate she's voting for obviously she did not come out and openly say that she was politically neutral yeah i love that bet midler stood up for the duchess of sussex she's told pierce morgan on his tweet oh <laughs> f off tons of celebrities have come forward to stand up for um her comments so i think you know it's so important regardless of what party you're affiliated with or what you care about to vote so yeah Totally. And then lastly, we have Harry's Netflix project, which is debuting this week. It's out August 26th and will tell the story of the Paralympic Games. And it is called Rising Phoenix. So it was kind of a surprise to see him in the trailer for that. Everyone was like, wait, what? I loved it. I love the setting for it, too. Yeah. And his work with the Invictus Games, he's obviously still so passionate about military and causes around veterans and all that. So I think he's continuing that work. But honestly, the bottom line is that the Sussexes have been so busy. We don't I'm mean like to make this the Sussex show, but gosh, they're I'm, just like I'm red in the doing face so talking much. about how much is happening while going so quickly yeah. and sipping on watermelon, vodka, whatever soda. Just, you know, some Cambridge news. Kate actually was spotted out and about with the kids a couple times. She, you know, it's a pretty quick update, but she was spotted at Mabel's Paint Pot in Norfolk, which is actually a short walk from Anmer Hall. Um, and then that's not all. She was actually seen out shopping for children's clothing in Sainsbury's, which is the grocery shop. Tr- which is the grocery store chain. I don't know why that's hard to say um, with all three kids in tow. And I, you know, she's worn that brand before she's used that a lot with Prince Louis. I think I was going to just mention that, you know, it was funny because the interview about her being at Sainsbury's was actually from Kate Carter, who's founder of Ugly Duckling Creations. She's the one that saw her in the shop and was pretty shocked to see her there. But Kate mentioned Kate of Ugly Duckling Creations mentioned that Charlotte was out in her forest green coat and the one that she wore at Christmas. But that, Rupert, I was like, how is that possible? Because it's August. I I was wondering if this was like from a previous time and it had just gotten picked up or something. But then you did some digging. So I did some digging and it was actually a pretty chilly week in the UK last week. So I feel like that makes sense. I mean, I feel like a wool coat is still a little intense for August. It wasn't only Charlotte, but also Kate wearing a coat. Kate was also in a coat. So it checks out. It must have been chilly according to weather reports. But uh, but yeah, Kate was in jeans and a beige coat and just very casual. And I guess for the pottery workshop, Kate and the kids are frequently at this spot. Their handprints are on the wall from different work that they've done. And yeah, I feel like they're just kind of enjoying their lives, living out their summer. You know, it's probably kind of nice to lay low a little bit. I love hearing Cambridge news because I do feel like we haven't heard from them in a while ever since kind of since Finding Freedom came out. Dominated. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to hear more from them. So me too. You guys updated. Um, And next, we have the Crown casting news, a release date. Sorry if you can hear the dog barking in the background. (laughs) And Diana on Netflix. So fly through this really quick. Uh, The trailer for the Crown season four premiered last Thursday. And now we know the new season debuts November 15th. So the (gasps) countdown begins. I know. I'm so excited. We're going to play a clip. Something as important as the monarchy simply cannot be allowed to fail. 
my first impression is I have chills. My second impression is it seems like it's going to be much darker than other seasons. I know season three was a little bit darker, but this is like... Well, I think hearing all the shutters of the of the cameras is like, you know, when we played at that length and you can, you can just hear the flash, 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 flash. And I think that that is, you know, what happened to Diana. So it's going to be really dark, I think. That Queen Elizabeth quotes like... Very it, to me, it feels very poignant to today and what's going on with the monarchy and how you know Meghan and Harry left. And she's like, we cannot let the monarchy fail. Yeah, like, oh my God. I know. And also, just that moment in the trailer right before you know Diana makes her goes out, she exits something, you know, a building, and it's just like, mm-hmm. like I feel like watching. It's like you kind of hold your breath. So gosh, and she's like November sitting 15th. on the floor of like the bathroom at one yeah. point with like water dripping around her, and she's just like, it's like. So dark. So I'm I'm honestly beyond excited for this. So also we found out who's going to play Princess Diana in seasons five and six. So it's Elizabeth Debicki. She's taking over for Emma Corrin, who's playing her in season four, who's in that trailer. Princess Diana's spirit, her words, and her actions live in the hearts of so many, Debicki said in a statement. It is my true privilege and honor to be joining this masterful series, which has had me absolutely hooked from episode one. Same. Elizabeth, same. Um, She is actually in the upcoming highly anticipated spy thriller Tenet from Christopher Nolan, which premieres this week. She was also in The Night Manager, fun fact, with Olivia Colman and Widows. She has – what do you think? Because I think she looks a lot like Princess I think she looks like – exactly. The photo I looked at, she had really dark lipstick on, and they they placed it next to Diana, who had kind of a lighter makeup kind of application. Mm -hmm. But I Mm -hmm. feel like she – honestly, they look – very similar. They have the same chiseled features. Yeah, the same I think Emma Corrin too looks so much yeah. like her. It's oh, I can't wait. Wild. Elizabeth Debicki is another fun fact: six three, and we know that Princess Diana was always thought of as really tall. She was actually five ten. So I think that that you know that kind of similarity too will do nicely on screen. I'm really excited. And then we also found out that Jonathan Price will be pra- playing Prince Philip, the older Prince Philip, in seasons five and six. He joins Imelda Staunton, who will be playing Queen Elizabeth. And Leslie Manville, who will be playing Princess Margaret, I guess, in her final days. And he will take over the role filled by Tobias Menzies for seasons three and four. I immediately recognized him from Game of Thrones. Again, Game of Thrones <laughs> mention. I don't know how that happened twice. Um, but also the two popes, which you must watch if you haven't seen it. Oh I don't God, know. I have, no, it. I never watched that. I need oh, to, it's I so need to add it to the so, list. So I just can't the wait. I, and also the news that Diana, a true musical, is going to be on Netflix in early 2021. I mean, that was I, just a gift. It's still going to be on uh, Broadway. But I feel like they're they're releasing it Hamilton style, uh, which was also a quarantine gift. So lots so much to look Royals forward content. to. Yeah, we need so it. We just much. need it. Get us through. Uh, now on to our interview with Tessie Ojo. Roros, please join us in giving a warm welcome to Tessie Ojo, CEO of the Diana Award. Just in case you're unfamiliar, the Diana Award honors the legacy of the Princess of Wales and her belief that young people have the power to change the world for the better. It's also the only charity set up in Diana's honor. Tessie, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a real treat to be talking to you today. So if you could just, for our uh, listeners who are unfamiliar, like a one to two sentence, what are the Diana Awards? This is a test of how good a chief exec I am. (laughs) (laughs) 20 years in the making. I know, right? No pressure. So the Diana Award is the official um, charity to 
the late princess, you know, she firmly believed that young people with the right support can change the world. And that's kind of the ethos that, that really underpins all of the work we do. If I was to sum up what we do in three sentences, the first thing is to, we want to build resilience young people. We, we know that young people, um, face an incredibly challenging world and uh, we, we have programs that really aims at building resilient young people. The other area is creating, for us it's about creating access to employment, helping young people build the right social capital that's needed to help them gain employment, especially when we live in a world that's, that's sadly due to inequalities that young people face and just due to disadvantage of birth, a lot of young people um, struggle to gain employment. So we have a mentoring program that really supports that side of things. The other third area is around developing young leaders. We recognize young people who are changing their, their communities in, every, in different parts of the world. But for us, it's not just the recognition through an award is how they come onto this development program where we it's like an incubator program because what we want to do is develop those young leaders and kind of send them back into their communities to continue that change making process and one of the things we were able to do in this period traditionally first of july is the princess's birthday and so that generally kicks off for us uh, our award ceremonies, what we usually call the Oscars for young people, because mm -hmm. we release what is called our role of honor. And that has the list of every young person who's getting the award for that year. And then we kind of go around the country really having ceremonies, shining a spotlight on these young people and telling their stories, particularly in their communities, because we want their communities to know that these are your young heroes. But of course, lockdown happened and we couldn't do that. And so thankfully, we had pivoted a few months. And so we were kind of beginning to get comfortable with the online world. And then we began to think, surely we can have an award ceremony online. And do you know what? I actually loved it. It was, to me, it was kind of the best ever um, in terms of award ceremonies because we pulled every young person for one day you know, we would have done it over a three-week period, you know, but for one day only, we've had every young person, irrespective of where in the world they were, for those couple of hours, we were telling the entire world that these are your change makers. These are young people who are changing your communities. And it just felt that for those couple of hours, the world stops to listen. And to me, that was just phenomenal. Yeah, We personally really enjoyed it because we get to watch all of it, whereas otherwise we would just see photos and hear audio clips and everything. So it was really wonderful. And I feel like maybe it should be always online. I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. This is exactly what we're exploring. We actually, because also one of the things, like I said, because we do it generally over like a two or three week period where we are traveling to different cities but also because we you know we couldn't possibly go abroad it's too expensive and so it means that sometimes for our international young people they don't sometimes get our ceremony we generally yeah. encourage um maybe the british high commission in that country to celebrate them um but for once for me it was parity for every young person irrespective of where they were in the world and that's 
something that we really loved and you know we're having conversations in-house just trying to see this is probably the way forward and yes, um, and just get you know I, I lo- one of the things I really loved was when I was looking back at the pictures because we got young we got everyone to dress up and share their photos Aww. we had people who were like properly dressed we were dressed I was dressed as well but we had young people and their families they were dressed some had cake some had a tea party organized oh, nice. it was so British it felt like whichever <laughs> part of the world they were they really made it into a British tea party which was amazing that's amazing they really embraced it that's wonderful yeah. it was incredible is it typical that the princes I mean in this case Prince Harry are a part of it or was that did having it virtual make it a lot easier well one of the beauties of having virtual or, or lockdown was that people were not really going anywhere so you we had people <laughs> <laughs> so we it was great to have people's diaries free having said that you know we're very lucky and incredibly honored to always have the the princes both of them really supporting so again it's so dependent on diaries um and we kind of it's never pre-planned in advance we kind of go with whatever diaries permit on the days i mean last year when we had our legacy we had the young people go to Kensington Palace so that was great um, but of course it just meant that well not all of them only only those who could attend attended um, but I guess with the virtual world it felt like the, everyone was gathered and this time the prince came to it so which which is again amazing and a blessing yeah. to have to have that we were gonna just play a quick clip from that event just from his speech yeah do it's amazing my wife said recently that our generation and the ones before us haven't done enough to right the wrongs of the past I too am sorry. Sorry that we haven't got the world to the place that you deserve it to be. Institutional racism has no place in our societies, yet it is still endemic. Unconscious bias must be acknowledged without blame to create a better world for all of you. I want you to know that we are committed to being part of the solution and to being part of the change that you are all leading. Now is the time. And we know that you can do it. Now, what was it like to have Prince Harry not only be a part of the event, but then to deliver such a powerful speech about the Black Lives Matter movement? Firstly, it was incredible. But, you know, I have had the pleasure or the privileges, actually, of working with both princes for for a few years, for so many years. And you know that they go where the pain is. They They never shy away from going where they need to go. Um, Very similar to what Princess Diana did in her time. She always went where the pain was, however uncomfortable um, that was. Um, And so when we were planning and, you know, the timing was convenient for him, was, you know, worked for him to be part of it. And and they said, oh, we would like to see some case studies, which we sent. And then when they said to us he was going to go there, um, I was like, well, that doesn't surprise me. You know, they always want to have meaningful conversations. They want to always go where they can make a difference. And it's never, ever about just that moment of, oh, this let's just have a nice, nice, lovely royal moment. It had to be meaningful and impactful. So did not surprise me at all um, because that came at a point when a lot of people across the world was were really hurting from what the whole world thought. I mean, a lot of people have been hurting for many years, for decades, um, privately. But for once, the whole world was, the spotlight was on and everyone kind of saw that pain and began to understand what people had been suffering for many many years and the kind of injustice that had been in our society and and it was important i think yes i would have been 
completely shocked if he didn't go there. So I, mm-hmm. I wasn't shocked at all. Yeah, it was incredible. And then the best honor of like in, in his mother's legacy, I think, just to hear him speak, you know, and talk about that particular in that moment of in time. I really, yeah. it really meant so much for everyone tuning in virtually, as we said. Absolutely. We want to rewind a little bit to when you first heard about the Diana Awards job opening. I, so I heard it was from an ad in the classifieds. Could you tell us a little bit about that? I love this story. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was actually, you know, the journey had been such that I all of my life, I had always volunteered. You know, my mom was a head teacher, and it meant that at various points, you know, as a, you know, you might be involved in some production backstage, doing, you know, we were always involved with children and young people um, growing up. But that wasn't kind of my own trajectory. I, I, you know, my trajectory was in the corporate world, and I was happy being in that space completely. Until for me, I think when I had my youngest child, and I. I wanted to have my two kids before I hit the age of 30. And I was, and I felt incredibly blessed that I achieved that. Um, and having these two kids, my daughter was just coming up to her second birthday and I had this little boy. That was just something for me incredibly overwhelming about how it felt like it was that moment of feeling so blessed and so lucky. Like, why do I deserve all of this? And, you know, and that feeling of, gosh, I'm so grateful for this and I'm going to be the best mother ever I'm going to be that incredibly annoying parent that would always say but but my child I would I would champion my children (laughs) and I would light up shadows and nothing do you know what I mean I'm going to that parent that every teacher really dreads I felt like I I would be that parent but you know whilst I was in this moment of having this Eureka moment it also occurred to me first time ever that did every child have a champion? Did every girl have um, a mother who would light up shadows for them or speak on their behalf? And did every boy have the same? And that thought really bugged me. That thought really led me down a path where I felt when, when my daughter was born, I, I only had such a short maternity leave. I think I only had about three months. But with my son, I had, had, I had taken a year Oh, about six months with the possibility of extending by another six months. And so I had time to explore what I wanted to do. And for me, my, what I wanted to do was give my time. I realized up until then, I wasn't doing any form of volunteering. And the volunteering I did as a younger person, maybe up until university, I had kind of stopped all forms of volunteering. So for me, I thought, you know what, I'm going to give my time back to volunteering. I'm going to do stuff I for children and young people. But of course, my I had no, no concept, no idea where to start from. So I remember, this was in 2000, I remember writing to the Department for Education here and saying, look, this is my CV. Um, I was a systems analyst for a tech company at the time. Um, this is my CV. I'd really love to support charities. And then I got this letter back that says, here's a directory of charities. With your skills, charities um, would welcome you to be on their board. But I think for me, that being on the board was kind of not what I was wanting because I felt mm-hmm. that that was something I did in my everyday life. To be fair, I didn't have a clue what I really wanted. I just knew that I it needed to feel a bit more meaningful and tangible mm-hmm. than being, not that being on the board is not meaningful or tangible, no, but at but that time, that's kind like of- more hands-on or- Exactly. But I didn't yeah. even know the word at the time was I wanted to be, hand, I really 
didn't know what I wanted. Um, so what happens at the time was I was, I was on maternity leave. My husband would go off to work. And in the evening when he comes back, he brings all the papers that he's bought, you know, in the daytime. So it was my time, my me time. And on one of those occasions, I was flipping through the newspaper and I saw this ad that said, a youth charity had just been set up and needed someone with a systems background to help. And it didn't say the name? It, it didn't was just say that the name. It charity? Just, wow, two fascinating. Things, two things. It was the youth and the systems. I was like, oh my God, because up until this time, I had no idea that charities needed systems. I had no thought. Of course they need systems. Why did I even think of it? But when I saw yeah. this ad, I was like, oh my God, this is so me. And at the time, they just had a PO box. Didn't even have like an email address or a phone number. I just had a PO box to say, if you're interested, apply. But of course, I didn't want to apply for this job. I just wanted to give my time. You know, I still okay. have, yeah, yeah, I still have. So I thought, look, I'm going to write to this charity. I'm going to tell them that I've got, I think this was, I still had about three months left of my original six months off. I said to them, I said, look, I've got four months. Let me help you. I don't need payments. I really, really want to do this. When I do it, I would help you write kind of your script. I would do all of this and I will go back to my day job. And they wrote back and said, oh, we're really sorry. We would love, you know, we can't accept your offer to do it for free, but we would love for you to apply. And genuinely there's no way I could have applied for that role because it would have meant a massively significant pay cut and also I had two children that were going to go to nursery like I was only home for yeah. a while there's no way that money yeah. that money was literally just going to pay for nursery was just the nursery fees yeah my husband and I then had this conversation and he said to me why don't you just apply for the role perhaps the letter didn't go to the right person if you get shortlisted for an interview and then when you get to the interview you can tell them. I thought, good idea. What good advice. I know, right? Yeah. So I did. <laughs> Thank you, husband. I know. Yeah. I know. And so I did. And only when I got to the interview did I find out that it was the Diana Award had just been set up. <laughs> and I was like, great. Well, that's great. I still don't want the job. I, and I, when I got to the interview, <laughs> I told them, like, this is why I, I came. I wrote a letter. Da, da, da. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we got your letter. But th then they explained that it, because it was a government set up charity, the government had given the funding and it had to be spent which means that they could not just accept. If they didn't spend it, they would have to send it back. And when you send back money, it just means you don't need it. So it's not really good for, char for the charity in that sense. Um, and so they said, oh, um, so basically, are you, since you're here, why don't you interview? And I interviewed. Anyway, to cut the long story short, I did, they did offer me the job, obviously. And I said, no, because for me at the time, I was thinking, I want to do good. I really want to be a good citizen and do well and do good for children and young people. But genuinely, this was too expensive. The cost was way too much for me. But, you know, so I said no. And then, But then when you know you had just had done the biggest mistake of your life, you know, that feeling oh, of restlessness, that yeah. feeling that you've just blown it. Mm -hmm. And I think it then... Stephen and I, my husband and I just sat down and we just had this conversation and he goes, 
I think you should take it. And I was like, do you really understand that you have to be the main breadwinner of this family because this money is only going to pay for luxury fees. Like, that's it. I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life. (laughs) And, and, um, and yeah, we just knew. But you knew it was the right, it was the right you, thing. And yeah. I'm so glad. And 20 years 20 later. 20 years later, I'm not poor. So, <laughs> years and you later. seem incredibly happy. Like, Honestly, I think their happiness it's means It's amazing. The most. I absolutely love the fact that it's just the ability when you see like there's some young people that I met in in 2000 and now in fact one of them recently on Facebook she was talking about her family she's got two children and I look at her like oh my god how can you have children like you're my baby like you're I knew you you know so it's it's incredible it's incredible to see the journey you know it's that power of the statesman that young people can change the world with the right support. And it's incredible to see how they do change the world with, if they are supported. And it's, it's, it's incredible. It's such a privilege as well to witness that every day, to see lives change, to see young people fly out of the nest like a proper, you know, leave the nest and go and be amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. And you're guiding all that. You're, I mean, you're at the helm of that. We're, we're so curious um, in your tenure there, what, what would you say is the most inspiring thing that you have actually come to learn about the Princess of Wales, the most inspiring story about her life? So we're really lucky to have um, Lord Spencer, Princess Diana's brother, who supports us. And one of the things he does is with the award recipients, he gives them a um, an invite to come for tea at the family home in Offop. And it's a beautiful home. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. I try to every year or at least every couple of years um just visit the home and sometimes when i when he's there you know just sit and have a chat with him and you just get to hear some incredible anecdotes some things that happens you know some of their childhood things like one of the stories he's told me and i know he said it um publicly as well is when she started school she was i think she's uh, she was a couple of years older and the day he joined that school you know she no one else knew that her brother had joined the school, but she was so restless on her seat. And the teacher um, kept saying to her, Diana, just sit still, sit still. And she kept, <laughs> you know, was so restless. And eventually the teacher asked her, what is it? She goes, I just want to go and check on my brother. He's just started school. And, and, you know, and every now and again, her, he, she was, once she said it, he was, he then, the teacher then allowed her to go and pop over and see her brother. And it's, you know, at that young age that's displaying those caring qualities and well, you can see those same qualities following her all through her life because yeah, you definitely. don't certainly become an adult and then want to change the world if you haven't been displaying those qualities maybe right. for a while. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so some of the, when I hear stories like that, it just makes me so incredibly honored to continue that legacy to lead the charity that honors her legacy because Mm -hmm. that legacy of selflessness and service to others is just so powerful and so incredible especially something we need in our world today and i feel like her her sons prince harry and prince william are obviously carrying on that legacy with their service 
and they've been patrons of uh the charity since its founding is that correct yeah so they're patrons of yeah it? so they're, they're not technically we don't have patrons but they are kind okay. of the principles of the charity in that sense because obviously it's their mother's charity and right. so in that sense that they, they are the, they are the principles of it how has it been working so closely with them i know they are super involved um how is that are they are they involved day to day what is it like to work with them it's um actually I, was, I don't know if you guys have seen there's a documentary that we've just shared on our socials today that um really gives an insight into kind of the behind the scenes of how you know sometimes whatever you when you see them doing an engagement externally it shows kind of the behind the scenes and the hours of Ooh, we engagement you should check it out um, mm-hmm. yeah. um the hours of engagement that goes on behind the scenes and i love the fact that they always are so for them what's important is to have meaningful engagement it's important that they are having an impact so it's never ever ever about a photo op absolutely not if that's what you're asking for that would never happen right and it's always why do you want us involved in this what is the impact what impact what differences is going to make why are you doing this? You know, it's all, it's really, how are you going to demonstrate impact? What's the overall outcome? How long will we, before we see this outcome? So it's very, you know, it's very strategic and um, very meaningful. And it's, it's an incredible honor to work with them, um, to shine a spotlight on issues that sometimes issues that maybe particularly in our society, we sometimes still want to talk about, you know, the whole mental health or uh, bullying, the impact that bullying has, you know, for many, many years as a society, we were always told you just needed to man up. You needed to, we're all, we were always told bullying was character building, um, irrespective of the destruction that happens and how lives are destroyed on the back of bullying. And so for the princes to really get on board, to understand firstly behind the scenes, to speak firsthand to people who have been affected by that and then to publicly come out and make a difference you know it's it's incredible yeah it's incredible even just for us on the podcast i feel like you know it's obviously this is about being royally obsessed but we just feel the the weight every time we're talking about any any event, any Zoom meeting, just everything that it stands for, we just always it feel it ends up feeling you know fulfilling for us to be able to help spread that message as well. Absolutely, you know, so that's yeah. why it's, you know that's why I, t- I think to understand because it's you know all of this leads to you know bringing awareness to issues and yeah. really spotlighting issues that sometimes people don't want to talk about. Well, and that brings us to our, you know, one of our last questions is just how can our listeners get involved and help forward the efforts of the Diana Award? Do you know what? That's such a great question. So firstly, just to make it clear is that we rely on the support of the public. We don't get official endowment. So we always rely on the on the public to support us. And I would ask people to go onto our website, to just go onto any of our socials, is Diana Award, and just support. You know, there's so many options of supporting you can support us financially you can support one child one child put a child through a program particularly you know as we come out of covid we know that young people particularly young people from disadvantaged backgrounds are going to be hugely impacted by the effects of covid 
they are the generation that probably hasn't sat exams. They are the generation that would find it really, really hard to get a job. We are working hard and will continue to work hard to upskill young people, to help young people navigate the next few months, um, even in mm -hmm. terms of career options and opportunities, maybe reskilling as well. Um, we would love for your viewers to support this, you know, just one child and the incredible difference that would make is huge. Um, they, you know, just constantly maybe talk about our work that's another way to support just tell someone particularly if it's an issue that we are tackling like bullying um, it's just making sure that people understand where to get help um, so that people no one suffers in silence we know how mm -hmm. incredibly um, dangerous it is when you suffer in silence we've seen the rise in self-harm or even attempted um, yeah. suicide so it's yeah. so important that young people seek help um, Again, just follow us on our socials, share, just reshare our work. And that's at the Diana Award? It, yes, correct. It's at Diana Award. Um, it's so, so ev on everywhere, that Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, even on TikTok. You can just have fun oh, wow. with it. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> are you on TikTok? Yes. Are you doing some of the TikToks? Yes, <laughs> yes we are. Go oh, you. <laughs> yes, yes, we definitely are. So, you know, have fun. Just come on the journey with us. You know, there the times we want to, you know, tackle huge issues, like, like I've mentioned, but there's sometimes we just want to have fun um so just come yeah. on the journey with us uh, and support us in any way but i would the, the primary thing is support us if you can if you have the ability to financially support please do because that would yeah. hugely change the life of a young person the other area that people can help especially if they're companies we are always in search of companies who are able to offer um opportunities to our young people so mm. that's a great way that companies can support so if you haven't got the, the like hiring opportunity yeah hiring opportunity yeah. or even tree. so over the summer for example we are offering lots of workshops to our young people okay. and so sometimes we sign up if like if someone is in a company who's able to offer a particular skill it might be that you want to teach coding skills to young people please um tag us at us so that we can talk to you for or they can find me i'm tessie ojo on instagram it's so easy amazing yeah i just want to ask are there any more virtual events in the works or anything coming up this year or what's ahead for you guys is there anything in planning absolutely all that we do is all on our website so um and on our social so people can just follow that the other th big thing we're doing and i'm just going to tell you that very quickly we know that in september young people are going back to school and this is still top secret so i'm literally <gasps> telling you a top secret but we are planning <laughs> i'm sure my team will probably kill me for doing this <laughs> Um, we are planning to do a very big virtual assembly just to encourage as young people begin to go back to school we know that safety is so important we want to help young people feel safe we would love to have the support of yourselves as many as who you know just at us dm us and we, we will tell you more so that's all i can tell you for now okay, perfect. Perfect. perfect perfect that's so amazing <laughs> amazing tessie this has been so fun to chat with you thank you so much for joining oh, and you. coming on the podcast it's such a treat for us and and we will for sure continue to support Amazing. you guys we're, we're watching from afar Amazing. thank you so <laughs> thank much you so thanks much. for having me Oh, Rachel, that was so lovely getting to speak with Tessie Ojo, CEO of the Diana Award. I just feel like that was one of my favorite conversations that we've had on the pod so far. 
So before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. So my low this week, people keep speculating about Eugenie being pregnant. Ugh, I just hate this. Yeah, because I don't it's like, like that either. Wait till she announces it, first of all. Also, I love how this Cosmopolitan writer put it. She said, of course, that's what people are speculating because she is a human with a uterus of childbearing age. It's like, so not course. okay. Yeah, so people are speculating because of pictures, new pictures of her and Jack arriving at Balmoral for the summer vacation with the Queen. She's wearing a green oversized jacket, and it's like, really, there's no even visible bump. Like, it's just a jacket. So leave her alone, down. Guys. Yeah. yeah. Milo is actually basically just a question. Can we please get an Archwell Instagram account already? Like, there are so much Sussex news. I just want it all in one place. I want Megan's signature caption writing and curation and beautiful yep. images and photo galleries. Like... Let's just make that happen, guys. Like maybe a September launch. That's my low. I just really, I want to have it all in one place. So I need those updates where you get a notification. And it's like, Archwell just posted a new Instagram. It's like, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, my high this week is Camilla's summer reading list. I just love hearing from the Royals personally. And this feels so, so relatable, especially coming from her. She also did this back in April at the start of the pandemic. And now this is the second installment. So I'm wondering, is this like her version of Barack Obama's Spotify playlist? Because... If so, I am here for it. I want to know all about what Camilla's reading. I'm definitely writing down some of her suggestions for my next my next purchase on Audible. And totally. yes, I listen I listen to my books because, you know, podcasts. Yeah, efficiency. Books on yeah. audio. Yeah. Walk and, walk and listen. <laughs> Catch up. <laughs> I love it. Um, my high of the week is James Middleton. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but so he actually uh, is has launched his own food business for for puppy dogs, for dogs. Uh, it's called Ella & Co. And he shared a video of him just kind of how he takes his dogs around town in his little scooter bike and he serenades them with the theme song to Aladdin A Whole New World. He played in the clip kind of him, the actual Disney version, but I really, <laughs> I want to hear him singing it. That was such a high. I have two things to say about this. One, he's a man after my own heart. I was Jasmine in like the third grade <laughs> and I still have the costume. So there's that. Also, I think I changed my answer about who I'd like to have a cocktail with. I think it's James Middleton. <laughs> There are a myriad of reasons why, and I will not go into them right now. I love that. Okay, so just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts. Here is a recent review left on Instagram by LAJBOT3000. Friends, RKBNYC, and Robbie Frito. The pod gets better and better. Is it possible with every episode? Absolutely love your analysis, and may I say your very profesh delivery. Keep up the superlative work. So excited for this mystery roundtable next week. I hope you guys really enjoyed the roundtable. It was, it was such a delight. I mean... We had so much fun, and I feel like we can do more of those, hopefully, in the future. Yeah, so. And hopefully, Ariana and Micah will come back. We Yes. Them. Yes, we love having them. So remember to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and the Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. You can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. And until next week, God, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.